as a precursor to the book of Revelations, amen, which we'll get into later on this year, we're talking about understanding the end times. Amen. Understand we are in the end times. Come on, say amen, somebody. But you got to understand the end times. Understand what's going on in the world today. Come on, say. Understand what's going on with you today. Amen. So we started talking last week. We started talking about the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. Now, once again, understand the Old Testament does not teach about the rapture of the church. But it does teach on the second coming of the Lord. And the reason the rapture was not taught in the Old Testament is because it's part of the mystery. Amen. The mystery that was only given to the church. Come on, say amen, somebody. There was no church like that in the Old Testament. The church didn't come into the New Testament. You'll find the rapture is not taught in the Gospels. Now, you may find some types and shadows of it, but there are no specific teachings on the rapture in the Gospels. So to learn about the rapture of the church, we must study the New Testament epistles. Somebody say the epistles. So let's go over some things we went over last week. There are actually two comings of the Lord yet to occur. How many? There are two comings of the Lord yet to occur. And see, the church, we're looking for the rapture, which is part of the mystery, like we stated. And the end of the dispensation of grace, also what we call the church age. Amen? Now, we know the books of 1 and 2 Thessalonians are written to the church in Thessalonica. The books of what? First and second Thessalonians were written to who? The church in Thessalonica. Why? Because the believers in Thessalonica were confused about the rapture of the church. Just like believers today are confused about the rapture of the church. Amen? And what happened was false teaching abounded and many were presenting the rapture in a way that brought fear to the people. And in different theories, they, were, they brought different theories about the raptures, amen, they were taught as fact, and they weren't fact. And there were many people in that day who believed that they had missed the rapture, and they were living in, they thought they were living in tribulation, just like some people today teach that we're living in tribulation. And understand this, when tribulation hits, you don't want to be here. Amen. But during the time 1 Thessalonians was written, many believed the rapture was very near because Nero was on the throne and Christians were being persecuted. And believers in that day understood that there would be a revival of the Roman Empire during the tribulation and they believed Nero was the Antichrist. Come on, amen. And many believed the rapture was so near, a lot of them quit their jobs. And we're just waiting for the event to come to pass. Are you following me out here? So Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians in order to correct false teaching and wrong theories being spread concerning the rapture of the church. And see, Paul thought one letter would be sufficient to correct the wrong thinking of the believers. But after he had written the first letter in Thessalonica, to less Thessalonica or Thessalonians, someone wrote a false epistle and said he wrote it. And the false epistle basically said, some of the things I taught you in the first epistle were wrong, and I've changed my mind. The rapture has already occurred, and now you are living in tribulation. And they got frantic. Come on, say amen, somebody. 
And because of this false epistle that was now circulating, people were, people were in fear. So what Paul did, Paul had the right second Thessalonians to inform believers that he had not changed his mind on what he had written in 1 Thessalonians were true. Come on, are you with me out here? So let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Are you ready to be taught today? Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Now I, we beseech you, brethren, by the what? The Coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our what? Gathering together unto him. Notice Paul is specifically referring to what? He's referring to the rapture of the church. Why? Because there will be no gathering together at the second coming. Let me say it again. There will be no gathering together at the second coming. The rapture is so important that he uses it as a rallying point for Christians. But once again, listen to me closely. At the rapture of the church, Jesus does not come physically to the earth. He only appears in the sky. Now at the second coming, somebody say second coming, or second event, he will literally come physically to the earth, touching the earth, and he'll remain here. So there's a difference between the what? The rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus. Are you following me out here? At the rapture of the church, what will happen? Jesus will appear, and we will rise to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. So looking at 2 Thessalonians, look at verse 8. On chapter 2, verse 8. It says, and then shall that what? Wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall what? Destroy with the brightness of his what? Coming. Notice there's a coming in verse 1, and there's a coming in verse 8. There's a coming in what? Verse 1, and a coming in verse 8. At the coming in verse 1, the church is gathered, gathered to him. Amen? But the coming in verse 8, it says Jesus will destroy the Antichrist by the brightness of his coming. So in verse 1, we have the rapture of the church. And in verse 2, we have what? The second coming. Does anybody, everybody see the difference? Then in verses 2 through 7, we have all the events that occur between the two comings. Not gonna, I'm not going to go over all that because I went over that last Sunday. You got to get the CD. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Because we're still talking about the rapture of the church. The rapture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at verse 51. Tell your neighbor, pay attention. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Notice it says, Behold, I show you a what? Mystery, because why the rapture of the church is under the mystery. It says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Well, we shall all be what? Changed. See, one thing we have in common as a family of God, whether in heaven or on earth, is that we will all be changed. Are you with me out here? In other words, we will all receive our resurrection bodies at the same time. Now, some in the family will go by the way of death. And some of us won't even see death. 
And see, I personally believe that we are living in that generation that we will not see physical death. I believe we're in that generation that we will see the return of Jesus. But I want to do, what I want to do this morning, I want to look at two examples in the word of God of two men who are raptured from the earth. And they are a type of what will happen at the rapture of the church. Amen? One man was a Gentile and the other one was a Jew. Now, the Gentile was a man named Enoch. He's mentioned in Genesis chapter 5, but let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Notice it says here, by faith, Enoch was what? He was what? Translated that he should not what? See death. And was not found because God had what? Translated him, for before his translation, he had a testimony. What an awesome testimony he had. What was that testimony? That he pleased God. Any God pleases in the room. But understand this. Enoch didn't even start living for the Lord until he was 65 years old. I mean, they lived a little longer back then, though. <laughs> Amen. But he didn't start living for the Lord until he was 65 years old. Matter of fact, he had a son named Methuselah, who was the oldest man recorded in the earth. Let's look at that. Genesis 5.27. It tells us how old he was. Genesis 5.27 says, and all the days of Methuselah were what? 969 years and he died. He was 969 years old. Could you imagine being here for 969 years? <laughs> Tell me, but that's a long time to put up with the same people. <laughs> Come on, am I right or wrong? Glory to God. Let's go back to Hebrews 11.5. It says, by faith, Enoch was what? Translated that he should not see death. Notice it says, and was not found. Because God had what? Translated him. For before his translation, he had a testimony that he what? Please God. It says, Enoch was what? Translated. He was what? Translated. The word translated means taken from here to somewhere else. Say it again. The word translated means taken from here to what? Somewhere. But notice the words was not found and was not found. See, this indicates that people were looking for him after he was taken, but they never found him. Amen? They never what? Found him. Let's look at the second man mentioned in the Bible who was translated. And that name was, his, this man was Elijah. He was also raptured. Amen. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 1. Elisha. Elijah rather. Elijah. Second Kings 2 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven. Where? Into heaven. By a whirlwind that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has what? sent me to Bethel, and Elisha said to him, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I ain't going nowhere. 
<laughs> I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And after they left Bethel, they came to Jericho, and the same question was asked, and he got the same answer as the Lord liveth. And as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. And then they came to Jordan, and Elijah parted the Jordan River and turned around and realized this man ain't going nowhere. I can't shake him. So in verse 9, it says, And it came to pass when they were going over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Okay, ask what I shall do for thee before I be what? Before I be what? Taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now understand this. This was not an unusual request. In the Old Testament, it was understood that the firstborn had a number of rights. Somebody say firstborn. First of his rights, he was a priest of the family and he had a great inheritance. And second, he received a double portion. This was part of the firstborn's rights to receive a double portion. And see, Elijah had no children. So Elisha claimed him as his spiritual father. Are you with me out here? So Elisha also chose, listen, think about it. Elisha chose to forsake his family to follow Elijah. To make him his spiritual father. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16. It says, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Amolola, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Drop down to verse 19. So he departed thence and found who? Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he let the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, took the yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh, saying, I ain't coming back. And with the instruments of the oxen, Gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and did what? Went after who? Elijah, and ministered unto him. See, in essence, what was Elisha doing? Elisha was burning every bridge behind him. And see, he probably never saw his parents again. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. He left everything for the ministry, and Elijah became his spiritual father. Amen? You'll find in the New Testament, Paul referred to Timothy and Titus as his sons in the faith. So Elisha acted on the fact that Elijah was his spiritual father. And he said, I want a double portion because I'm your son. So what was Elisha's response? 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 10. Elijah says, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless... As thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, if you catch yourself looking somewhere else, <laughs> you get nothing. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But Elisha did see Elijah taken away. To where? To heaven. 
Look at verse 11. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold there appeared a what? Chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And what happened to Elijah? Elijah went up by a whirlwind where? Into where? Into heaven. And it says in verse 12, and Elisha saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, at this time when all this was going on, there were some other people that saw the event from a distance. They were looking at all this. So look at verse 16. And they said unto him, behold now, there be with thy servants 50 strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master. They said, we're going to find him for you. <laughs> Lest peradventure the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain <laughs> or into some valley. And he said, you shall not sin. Now, these are sons of the prophets speaking. They're supposed to be the spiritual ones. Yet they're saying, perhaps the spirit of the Lord lifted him up in the sky and then dropped him somewhere. Look at verse 17. And when they had urged him till he was ashamed, he said, sin. They sent therefore what? Fifty men. And they what? They sought him how many days? Three days, but found him not. Listen to this now. In each of those cases, in Enoch and Elijah, when these men were translated, people were searching for them. But they could not find them. Come on, you with me out here. Also in each case, these men also followed God. Come on, they were men of God whose heart's desire was to please God. But these two stories tell us something about the rapture of the church. Are you with me out here? What is going to happen to the rapture of the church? People will look for us, but they will not find us. And it will happen to people that are following God. Oh, come on, are you with me out here? Let's go, to first, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 52. So who are the two people that were raptured in the Bible? Enoch and Elijah. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Notice it says here, and a what? And a what? And a what? Mormon, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Oh, that's going to be a day. Now, the Greek word for moment here is atomo. Atomo. The English word atomic is a derivative of this word. Are you with me out here? Matter of fact, when the atom was discovered, we named it after this Greek word. Amen. Amen. It was named Adam because scientists believed it was the smallest particle in existence. And later they discovered that the atom consists of even smaller particles called neutrons, protons, and electrons. Come on, are you with me out there? Give me all, you know, some of y'all like science, some of you didn't. Come on. But since that discovery, amen, discovered these smaller components, they've discovered yet smaller particles called quarks. 
So the word atomo means something that has been divided so many times it cannot be further divided. Let me say it again. The word atomo means something that's been divided so many times it cannot be further divided. Now, theoretically, this is impossible because why? It's always possible to half things. Amen? But this Greek word indicates that something has been divided so many times it can no longer be divided. Amen? So what's going to happen? See, the rapture of the church will occur so quickly, less than, come on, less than 10 thousandths of a second. In other words, in one split second, we'll be here. And in the next split second, we will be gone. The world will see us one moment, and the next they will no longer see us. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? See, the world will not hear the shout. The world will not hear the trump of God, folks. And see, the church will hear these things, but the world will not. Somebody said the world will not. What they'll do, they'll continue to live their lives on the earth. You know, the Bible says, just like in the days of Noah, they'll be eating and drinking and potting like nothing happened, and we'd be checked out of here. Come on, say amen. Amen. Well, turn to John chapter 10, verse 4. They're going to keep on going on in life. Amen. They're going to be looking for us. They say, where are the people go? I just hope, <laughs> I just hope the pilot, <laughs> if you're on that airplane and that pilot disappear. God forbid they both, they, both Kyler and the co-pilot disappear. You in trouble. <laughs> John chapter 10 verse 4. But this is Bible, folks. This is what the Word of God tells us. And we're going to see why the Word of God tells us and what it does for us. John chapter 10, verse 4. It says, when he put it forth his own sheep, he go before them, and the sheep what? Follow him, for they what? For they what? They know his voice. And a stranger they will, will they not follow, but will what? Flee from him, for they know not the voice of what? Strangers. Listen to me now. If you talk to a shepherd, they'll tell you every shepherd has his own sound for a particular sheep. Come on. They say, even though the Bible says, my sheep know my voice, the voice is not a word. Shepherds don't call their sheep by saying, here, sheepy, sheepy, here, sheepy, sheepy. What shepherds do, shepherds use sounds. Some shepherds use a click. Others use a whistle. Others may use nothing but more than the clapping of their hands. <laughs> Whatever sound the shepherd uses, the sheep come to know it as the voice of the shepherd. Oh, come on, y'all with me out here. Now listen to me now. Five or six shepherds may gather around a tree for lunch. And all of their flocks mingle together. Amen? And see, sheep are not branded, so there's no way to distinguish one sheep from another. So picture this. Picture five or six flocks of sheep gathered together in one place. See, shepherds are not concerned about the flocks mingling. 
Come on. See, when the first shepherd leaves, he may whistle. And all his sheep will lift up their heads because why? They recognize his voice. And see, the other sheep will keep grazing as the sheep work their way out among, among, amongst the other flock and they follow their shepherd. Now the next shepherd makes a sound and only the sheep from his flock lift up their heads and follow him. And see, that's a wonderful description of the rapture of the church. Why? Throughout the whole earth, people will be grazing. And Jesus is going to come descend from heaven with a shout. Jesus will say, come. And only his sheep will lift their heads and follow him into heaven. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah here. And the rest of the world won't even realize what has happened. And at that time, that's when you and I will receive our resurrection bodies that I talked about last week. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 53. Come on, are you with me? Are you following me now? I told you, follow me now. Tell, him, tell your neighbor, follow him. 1 Corinthians 15, 53. It says, for this corruptible must put on what? Incorruption. And this mortal must put on what? Immortality. See, our bodies, our bodies will be changed immediately into a resurrection body. I'll explain it in a minute. Turn to Philippians 3.20. Our natural bodies will be changed immediately into a resurrection body. The Bible confirms all this. I'm only giving you scripture, folks. I'm not giving you opinion. I'm giving you the word. Amen? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, for our conversation is where? In heaven. From his also we look for who? For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word for conversation is politikos. Politikos. From which the English word politics come from. In other words, this word actually means citizenship. For our citizenship is where? In heaven. This is verses telling us that believers, telling believers that our citizenship is in heaven. Somebody say in heaven. Then in verse 21, notice what it says here. Who shall change our vile body that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. It says, who shall change our vile body. Vile body is a reference to this physical body. Somebody say physical body. Once again, our natural bodies are still, this body is still under the curse. That's why you still have the cravings that you have. That's why you still get angry like you do. That's why you still are ugly like you do. That's why you still foreign. Oh, you're not my shit, Okay. <laughs> That's why you do all those things. That's why you still have a desire to do all those things. Because why? This body is still under the curse. Yes, it is. 
And what the Bible has done, the Bible has given us a prototype of the resurrection body. I'm talking about the body of Jesus. And to learn how this resurrection body will operate, we look at the body of Jesus. Somebody say the body of Jesus. See, it says here, our vile bodies will be what? Fashioned just like his glorious resurrection body. Ain't that what it says? Isn't that what it says? That our vile bodies will be what? Fashioned just like the glorious resurrection body of who? Jesus. So let's go to Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. Let me say amen when you get there. Colossians 3 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also what? Appear with him where? In glory. Now, this verse is also in reference to the rapture of the church. When Christ, when, when Christ who is our life, shall appear, then shall you what? Also appear with him. In where? In glory. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called what? The sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. His beloved, now are we what? The sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, We shall be what? Like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then in verse 3 says, And every man that has this hope in him, what? Purifies himself even as he is what? Pure. See, one, G- one day Jesus will appear and we will be just like him. Understand this. In our spirits, we are the son of God, sons of God. But one day, we'll actually be sons and daughters of God in our bodies. And understand this, that will be the last part of redemption. Somebody say the last part. Verse 3 tells us the rapture of the church brings what? Hope. The rapture of the church brings what? Hope. See, to remove the teaching of the raptures of the church is to remove people from the hope they have. That's why the rapture has to be taught to the church because you need hope. Matter of fact, go to 1 Corinthians 15, 12. That's what separates us from any other religion is this hope right here, folks. Because they don't have this hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then everything I'm saying today is in vain. I'm wasting my time. He said your preaching is in vain and your faith, your faith will also be in vain. Verse 15, yeah, 
And we are found false witnesses of God because we have what? Testify of God that he was raised up Christ. Whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead raised not. He said, we're, just, we're out there teaching false teaching if that's the case. Verse 16, for the dead rise not, then is not Christ what? Raised. And if Christ be not raised, once again he says, you're what? Your faith, you have nothing to look forward to. Your faith is vain, yet you are yet in your sins. Ooh, boy. Verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In other words, if I don't believe in the resurrection, I don't believe in this stuff, guess what? I'll never see my loved ones again. They're perished. And verse 19 says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most, what? Miserable. And see, the new birth is wonderful. The new birth is wonderful. But guess what? Heaven will be better. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. As good as, as good as a new birth is, as wonderful as prosperity is, as wonderful as divine healing is, as wonderful as the gifts of the spirits are, Paul is saying, if we only have these things to look forward to, we would be most miserable. Why? The most wonderful event we as Christians have is to look forward to what? To the rapture of the church that will occur one day and we will be with the Lord in heaven for eternity. That's what we have, folks. That's what we have what to look forward to. And see, the Holy Spirit we have with us and in us today. But guess what? The Holy Spirit what we have in us, in us, with us today, he's only an earnest down payment, the Bible says. Somebody say he's only down payment. Go to Ephesians 1.13. I told you, I don't do nothing but Bible. He's only the earnest down payment. What I got on the inside of me and on me is nothing but the earnest down payment. He tells us that here in verse 13. And whom you ought also what? Trusted. After that you have what? Heard the word of truth. Anybody hear the word of truth in here? The gospel of your salvation and whom also after that you believed. You were what? You were what? Sealed with that what? Holy Spirit of what? Promise. Verse 14, which is the what? Earnest of our inheritance. That means there's something else coming, folks. Until the redemption of the purchased possession, until the praise of his glory. See, the word earnest means it's just a down payment. Somebody say down payment. Come on, the new birth. The infilling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the daily walk of the Spirit, the guidance of the Spirit. All of these things are wonderful things that have been given to us, folks. But they're merely nothing but a small down payment of what heaven's going to be like. And it's a guarantee that the rest is on its way. Somebody say, I got a guarantee. And see, the rapture of the church moves us into the greatest part of our eternal life, folks, which is eternity with God forever and ever and ever and ever.
And see, God not only planned for the church to be a witness in this earth, he planned on the family of God being with him forever and ever and ever in heaven. That was God's plan. Somebody say that was God's plan. So do not accept any teaching that perverse teaching on the rapture because why? It will cause people to sin. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Come on, are you getting anything out of this yet? I'm trying to go a little slow, but see, when, when you're teaching this type of information, it's a lot of information. Amen? 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He said, Beloved, now are ye what? Are we the what? Sons of God. Once again, it says, and does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that. We know that. Somebody say, I know that. Come on, say, I know this. That when he shall appear, we shall be what? Like him, for we shall see him as he is. Once again, it says, and every man that have this hope in him does what? Purify himself, even as he what? Is pure. Every man that has hope in the resurrection actually purifies himself. See, believers, we as believers, we're pure in our, in our spirits. But this verse says, we, when we learn about the rapture, we will have a greater desire to live a pure life. Let me say it again. When we learn about the rapture, we will have a greater desire to do what? Live a pure life. Because why? We don't want to be left behind. <laughs> so tell your neighbor, you don't want to be left behind. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 22. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be left behind. You can stay here all you want and tribulate all you want. <laughs> Amen. Like I'm going to continue to say, I'm going out on the first load. <laughs> Amen. I'll say, see ya. Don't want to be ya. Romans 8, 22 says, for we know that the whole creation, what? Does what? Grown up and developed in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the what? First fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves do what? Grown where? Within ourselves, waiting for the what? The adoption to wit, the what? The redemption of the body. See, the first fruits of the Spirit is the new birth. Somebody say new birth. The redemption of this body is the final phase of salvation. Are y'all following me here? Come on, I'm giving you some stuff here. The redemption of this body is the final stage of salvation. Somebody say salvation. Because salvation is threefold. It's past tense, present tense, and future tense. It is a spirit, soul, and eventually body. Somebody say spirit, soul, body. Come on, say it again. Spirit, soul, body. First, we're born again in our where? In our spirit. We're born again where? This flesh didn't get born again, folks. This did not get born again. The minute you said, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life, a crazy thought popped in your mind. <laughs> and then you wondered, well, am I still saved or not? Come on. 
Am, am I the only one in here? Why? Because this thing did not get born again. So first, we're born again in our what? In our spirit. Next, we're daily sanctified in our soul. We're daily sanctified by how? The word of God. Come on, the word of God. Come on, it's cleaning out all that stuff that we accumulated over the years that was wrong. Tell me, some of y'all got a lot of stuff. <laughs> Come on. Come on, it's taking years to clean out that treasure test of junk you got in there. Because <laughs> it's all wrong thinking. Amen? So your word of God starts what? cleaning out, sanctifying your soul. The last part of salvation is the redemption of our bodies. Somebody say redemption of our bodies. Look at verse 24. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? Now, I'm just going to quickly, they're going to show you Ephesians 2.8. And we're going to come back to verse 24. Because we know for by grace are you saved, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Through what? Faith. Not of yourself. It's a what? Gift of God. Not a worse, lest any man should what? Boast. So it says we're saved by what? By grace through faith. Now go back to Romans 8, 24. Because it says here we are saved by hope. We're saved by what? Hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he what? Yet hope for. The question is, what does this verse mean when it says that we are saved by hope? See, this verse is not referring to the redemption of our spirit. It's referring to the redemption of our body. Somebody say our body. See, salvation in our spirit, salvation in our spirit guarantees that one day my physical body will be redeemed. Let me say that again. Salvation in my spirit guarantees that one day this physical body will be redeemed. Let's say it one more time so you can get it. Salvation in my spirit, when I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that guarantees, that's my guarantee, that one day I can look forward to, come on, this body being what? Redeemed. But it starts where? It started with me what? Receiving salvation in my spirit. But the last part of my redemption is what? This body. Somebody say this body. Come on, you still have challenges with this body? Come on, stub your toe. We'll find out what's inside your body. You'll find this body is very fragile. Come on, it's easily hurt. Come on, say amen, somebody. Easily scratch. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But look at verse 25. For if this hope, for if we have... If, for if we hope for that we see not, then we have what? Patient. We have, we're patient to what? Wait for it. This verse tells us as much as we would like to see the rapture, it says we are to what? Patiently do what? Wait for it to occur. Now you may ask, how long I got to wait until it happens? That's how long you got to wait. When? Until it happens. 
Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 35. Now you're following me, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 35. It says, but some men will say, some men will say, how are the dead raised up? Some people still have that question here right now. What are you talking about, Pastor? And, we'll, and with what body do they come? What kind of body are they going to have? Every Christian has probably wondered about the resurrection body. What do you mean? How are we going to be raised up? What, what is it going to look like? See, the resurrection body, it can disappear and appear and reappear. The resurrection body can walk through walls. And listen to this. It can eat and never gain weight. Somebody say, brain calm Jesus quickly. <laughs> come now, come now. <laughs> no more keto, come on. <laughs> Why? Because our resurrection body will be just like the body, of Je- the body Jesus has right now. It can be on earth and travel through space and go to heaven. Okay, go to John 20, verse 22. This resurrection body, it will still breathe and not breathe. It can breathe and not breathe. Matter of fact, I said Jesus breathed on his disciples. This is after the resurrection, after he's raised from the dead. John 20, verse 22, it says, when he had said this, he what? He breathed on them and said unto them, receive you what? The Holy Ghost. So the resurrection body, just like we're going to have, just like him, it can what? Breathe and not breathe. Well, look at John 20, verse, look at verse 26. It says, after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus. Now notice it places emphasis, the doors being shut. He didn't have to put that in there. He's telling us something. The doors being what? Shut. And then what happened? He stood in the midst of them and said, peace be unto you. In other words, he walked through the walls in his resurrection body. So you'll be able to walk through the walls. You ain't got to knock on somebody's door. Talking about, I want to witness to you. You just walk through the wall and say, hey, Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> How you get in here? <laughs> but go... The Luke 24, 42. So the resurrection body, you'll be able to walk through walls, folks. We're not talking fairy tales here, folks. You'll find here, Jesus ate with his disciples after the resurrection. He ate with them in his resurrection body. Another word it says here, and they gave him a piece of what? Broiled fish. You know what I'm going to say, right? Some old wife and some Johnny cake. (laughs) And a honeycomb, and he took it and did what? And he did eat before them. This is what our resurrected bodies will be like, folks. This is a hope. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 36. 
Come on, are you getting anything out of this? Let's look at verse 36. He says, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it what? Now listen to it closely now. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Verse 37. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it may what? Chance of wheat or some of the grain. Verse 38, for God giveth it a body as, as it has pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Verse 39, all flesh is not the same. There's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also, listen, listen, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. He says in verse 41, there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, and one star different from another star in glory. So also, this is not, so also, he says there, so also is what? The resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, but raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but is raised in power. But then he says in verse 44, it is sown a natural body, but is raised a spiritual body. Then he says there's a natural body, and there's a spiritual body. There's a what? natural body and there's a spiritual body. Now to understand the concept of sowing seed is to understand the resurrection body. When a seed is planted in the ground the part of the seed that dies is the shell. Are you following me out here? Every seed has its own shell or body. We got any farmers in here? Come on. Come on. Every seed has its own what? Shell or body. A seed has both a shell and a heart. The heart does not die. But the heart cannot come to life until the shell dies. Come on, are y'all with me out here? The plant that arises from the ground is produced from the heart of the seed. Until the shell dies, the heart cannot be released. Why? It's from the heart of the seed that a new plant comes forth. Are you with me out there? So to understand the resurrection... Understand this. You are a seed. Somebody say, I'm a seed. Come on, say, I'm a seed. Think of it this way. Listen to me now. See, 
We don't bury Christians. We don't bury Christians. We plant them. <laughs> you didn't hear what I just said. We don't bury Christians. We plant them. When a Christian dies, a Christian dies, a Christian dies, the spirit does not die. What happens? The shell dies. Are you with me out here? See, our bodies are made from nature. Come on, the dust of the ground. And this is the reason we refer to our bodies as natural. Are you with me out here? See, our new resurrection bodies will be made out of, out of spirit. Say it again. Our new resurrection bodies will be made out of spirit. Ain't that what it says? They're made out of what? Spirit. The human spirit or actually become tangible and become a resurrection body. That's why you still look the same. We will still know who you are. Come on, are you with me out here? Amen. That's why Paul says that our bodies are sown in weakness but harvested in power. Sown in natural body, but harvested a supernatural body. Harvested a what? He said a spiritual body. And see, one thing about the rapture, this is, what, this is something we have to look forward to. We have, to look, we have something to look forward to. We have something to look forward to. That is what? The rapture of the church where I no longer have to deal with this mess that I deal with in this body. Somebody needs just to give God praise that there is still hope for me. <laughs> One day I'm going to be delivered from this body. Let's give God praise. Come on. We got something to look forward to, folks. We got something to look forward to, folks. The rapture of the church. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you, Lord. We magnify your holy and majestic name, giving you all the glory, giving you all the honor, giving you all the praise. Hallelujah. Come on, we have this hope. We have this hope. Hallelujah. We'll have a resurrected, glorified body. Did I show you Bible? Hallelujah. That's the hope. That's why he says this gives us hope. And if you don't have that hope, he said you're going to be most miserable. That's why it has to be taught that there is a rapture of the church. Next week, we're going to start talking about that judgment seat. The white throne judgment. 
what is really the judgment seat of Christ. And it may not be what you think it is. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory.